Welcome to the Probate Mastermind Podcast. These episodes are recorded live once a week and are hosted by the AllTheLeads.com coaches. Agents, investors, and wholesalers join the coaches for everything from marketing tips, sales psychology, live deal analysis, transaction engineering, advanced real estate strategy, and personal development. You will learn to get more listings, more deals, and find financial freedom by listening to these episodes. Be sure to catch show notes at AllTheLeads.com slash podcast and join our free Facebook Mastermind community, All The Leads Mastermind. Welcome, successful agents and investors from across the country. Today is Thursday, October 15th, 2020, and this is Mastermind Podcast number 300. Can't believe we've done this 299 prior times, but uh, we appreciate y'all being here today. We've got a great attendance. We do have free in the queue. If you would like to actively participate live on the call, just hit star six and then hit one. And let's go ahead and go to our first caller. First up this week is phone number ending in 5464. Yeah, this is Eddie here in Kansas City. Yes, sir. This isn't like a huge win, but it felt like a win for me, so I thought I'd share it. I do have a question as well, but I called a guy from a super old list. I, before I got on all the leads, which I think I started in July, I'd been manually pulling the counties around me like every day for months and months. And so then after I got all the leads, I skipped traced and I've been still sending them letters. And so I, I called this guy and he's like, hey man, I've I've got all of your letters. I actually went to your website. I checked it out. Your video is super professional. I'm just not, at this time, I'm not ready to do anything. But it felt, I don't know exactly what month it was that I pulled this lead, but it's probably six or seven months old. And to see that he's still holding on to my letters, he went to my website, which is the first time I've ever heard somebody actually go to my website and watch the videos that I have on there. Really just showed that doing the follow-up really is important. It felt like a win. Not that we, I, I had the sale yet or anything, but the guy was like super professional and he said he had lots of letters from other people, but mine stuck out to him because when I said my name, he remembered who I was. Awesome. Thought, why is he not ready yet, Eddie? So there's two reasons. One, he was like, emotionally, I'm still grieving. He said the first thing that he had to do was his dad had inherited his grandmother's house in 2002 and hadn't done anything with that. So first thing that he had to do was clear out his grandmother's house and get that sold. So I missed an opportunity on that front. He was like, my house is full of all of the furniture from my grandmother's house. So I tried to talk him into getting him to take a step. Let's have a the estate sale person come over, see what she can sell of of your grandma's and your dad's things and get the ball rolling. And he was like, he just said, I'm not ready to, to do that. That's all he said. I talked to him for probably 15 minutes, trying to figure out a little bit more, a little bit more. And so you we have to show him any pain points. No, I'm really not that great at digging out pain yet. Yeah. And always just like <laughs> that might've sounded harsh, but if you can stir up, no stir up pain points and then become the solution obviously is, is the intent so he, he sounds to me like he's squarely in what we call what i call probate quicksand so he's retreating to his comfort zone just like his dad he's probably a learned behavior right 
for 18 years, his dad knew what he should have done, but he wasn't able. And it's usually they need an emotional breakthrough to do what's in their best interest. So if you can use logical examples to help them, to help attach that emotion to like the loss of money. Listen, Bill, it sounds like you're in a similar situation that we help a lot of families through where they're just kind of overwhelmed and can't make the first move. But in, in an environment like this, where during an election year with an overinflated market and things are volatile. So anything could happen. And by this time next year, by the time you get to it. So if I could show you a way to take away a lot of the stress and, and take some of this off of your plate and really salvage equity for your family. So not only are you, you do you stand the risk of a market correction, you also have monthly holding costs. So someone's mowing the yard. Am I right? Okay. And someone's paying the insurance and someone's paying property taxes. So each day that this doesn't get done, it's not serving you or your family. Now I'll back off. If you ever just say, Jeff, I told you I'm fine, but I, I do try to understand exactly why families aren't taking action because I see a lot of families lose a ton of money just because they're uncomfortable. And really my biggest role here is to make you comfortable however I can. And hopefully that's by taking the stress of the situation away and adding more money back to the family. So why don't we just meet on Friday and just talk? Like, I'm not bringing paperwork. I just want to come over and get to know you, see the situation. And you can ask any questions you have. I'll see if there's any way I can help right now. Maybe there's not. But I'm willing to come out on Friday and sit down for just a few minutes if you are. And oftentimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, you're right. And you want to have paperwork in the truck because a lot of times they'll be ready. Once they feel comfortable, then they just have they have the breakthrough and they're ready to go. But think about whatever your opinion of your where your market's headed in the next 12 months. You can use that. Like the risk of loss is is great in my opinion. The carrying costs are certainly those are clear losses. So how many years? Like it's 18 years worth of carrying costs for his grandma's house to sit there and get in worse condition. How much money did his dad cost the family? And just be willing to offer him a solution if you're going to dig up dig up stuff like that. But anyways, it's, it's yeah. a lot of folks. If you really believe in your heart that it's in his best interest to move forward, I, my suggestion is to grab him by the hand and pull him out of the probate quicksand. Because some people will sit for years and do nothing, and they end up costing themselves tens of thousands of dollars in equity that they could have had for the family invested, paying for college, doing whatever you know for retirement, whatever it might be. Yeah. It's kind of they don't really realize how much money they're spending because it's just a little bit at a time. But if we can show them what it would be like over months or years, maybe it could be. That's right. And you could also, I would have to get a read on the guy and make sure he was a pretty stable personality. But you can show him the magic of compound interest and what his father lost by wasting 18 years. Say, listen, at a 6% return for 18 years, look how much money if your dad would have just sold that house and just put it into a brokerage account or just dropped it into a 401k or something. Like, look at how much money your family would have now versus then. Now, do you want to do what your dad did or do you want to do it right Chad, for the I was, next generation? I was thinking along the same lines. If it's been empty for 18 years, is someone cutting the lawn? What are you paying $100 a month for the lawn? Do you realize... Your dad spent $20,000 over the last 18 years just a couple on. It's, that's a paid point, wasted money. Also, probably the vacant insurance, some short-term pain points. Just It's possible. It's been sitting there 
20 years without valid insurance. Who knows? The no trespassing is valid. If they're not ready to do something to sell the property now, the longer it sits empty, it seems like it could be code violations. There could be issues that he's not even aware of. Yeah. So I, this is a different house. It's a different house that his dad had that, you know, he sold the one that was sitting for 20 years. But Oh, okay. Um, Got it. Got it. You can still use that example. Like you can yeah. still show him how much money the family as a whole lost by his dad's behavior because of his dad's yeah. behavior. Okay, it's true. And I would probably take someone like this by the hand and leading them into that deeper conversation. I'd probably start by having them enlighten themselves, starting with a question like, "How how long have you been thinking about selling?" Okay, someone like this has probably been thinking about this for a while, and I want to know how long it's been a casual inconvenience for them that they think about once every week or two. And then say, tell me a little bit about the uh, maintenance process. What goes into actually holding on to and maintaining this house? Okay, how much of an inconvenience is that? And get them to reveal some of the answers to themselves. With some personalities, getting them to reveal a few of these answers gives you a wide open door to be able to go ahead and grab their hand and pull them through a few of those answers to themselves and, and recognize inconvenience they've been putting uh, on themselves. Okay. Eddie, I just did the math. If you compound 6% interest over 18 years on a $100,000 house, he lost $185,433 in opportunity by not selling that house for 18 years. Yeah. If they would have, if they would have sold the house and I just chose 100,000, I don't know what it was worth. But if that house were worth a hundred grand and his dad would have sold it when his father passed, the family would have $185,000 more in the current bank account. And so you can do things like this to show them because most people, we don't really get a fair financial education and most people aren't thinking about it this way. But this is where we can make a massive difference. $185,000 is a hell of a lot of money for the average family. Yeah. I think this is going to be a good approach because he mentioned, he's like, I follow the market really closely. So if he does that, he knows about compound interest and what it could do. So I think that's a good strategy to take with this guy. Perfect. And by the way, you're right. That is a win. It's an example in every market in the country. The older your leads get, the better, the more opportunity there is there. So good for you working old leads. Keep it up. I have one question. And I hope it's a short, just a short answer. What are your thoughts on doing radio advertisement for this? I know you talk about the return on investment per dollar spent with probate leads. I was just thinking if there was a way you could just have some sort of in the subconscious, most people don't need it all the time, but if they heard it for long enough, then when they get the letter, they're like, oh, shit, this is the guy that advertises all the time. I should call him. I don't know. I don't know if you've tried it. Just just want Chad your I'll, I'm going to give it Go to ahead, Bruce, Chad, but I, I first want to say, before Bruce gives you the advice on radio, because he has way more experience than I do at actually working with Rates and Matt Wagner's team, but yeah, I want you to consider social media for in, in, in the phase of getting this, in the phase of this that you're in. Radio is expensive, and it has a 10 to 12-month cash conversion cycle, in my experience. Social media can have an immediate cash conversion cycle. You can literally put ads out for a fraction of what it costs to do broadcast marketing, and you can, you know, get them, like, get an appointment today. Like you get an immediate return. So, like when we were doing, when we were doing lead follow for you guys, we were averaging 12 to 25 impressions per day for just a few cents per impression. 
So it's the same thing. It's just re- repetitive brand impressions over and over every time they thumb their phone, no matter where they. So I would personally, I would rather see you find the right agency to help you run very specific, very local Facebook ads and retargeting campaigns, because I think you're going to get it's going to be a way less, way less of a cost for you and a, a bigger impact. But I want to hear Bruce because he's done a lot of radio advertising. The uh, short answer in the probate space is no don't do radio. I'm a massive believer in radio. Um, literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on radio over the years. And when it doesn't work, it will sink you. When it works, it's amazing. But, it, but again, it takes, like Chad said, a really long cash conversion cycle. We were seeing about a six-month cash conversion cycle. But that conversion cycle is with people hearing us on a morning drive. What felt to them like every single morning that they were driving in, and it's the accumulation that really works. So in the probate space, I would not do it. It's not even a question in my mind. I would stay away from it. To Chad's point, Facebook, social media advertising, maybe even uh, throwing banner ads at geofencing some of the PR addresses, those things are going to have a, a much more substantial and more affordable impact on just creating awareness and presence so that when they see your letter, they've already seen you a hundred times in the last month. For everybody listening, like you're trying to broadcast and most radio stations are hitting a half a million people. At any given time, about 1% of them will be associated with a death in the family. So you're paying the same price as everyone else, but you're only marketing to 1% of that audience. So it just doesn't make sense. It's broadcast versus focused targeting. And with Facebook, we can take your leads, upload them into a custom audience and get about a 90% match rate. So you're only spending money to show up in front of those specific people. So it's it's like using a, a laser versus a, a whatever's broader than a shotgun scatter cannon. So your lead cost, the reason we can't do it, we stepped back from it. We were getting the impressions very easily. We built the system. But you have to have very specific local creative. And what we find to work the best is a a video ad of you in front of the courthouse on a quiet day just talking directly to them. So it's the interruption is, holy crap, this guy's at the the Kansas courthouse. I was just there last month. So you're going to, in their brain, you kind of short circuit. They see something they're familiar with. So the reticular activation system says, whoa, whoa, stop. That's something that's relevant to me. And then you have closed captions on, so if, even if they don't have audio on. But if they keep seeing that over and over, it's only going to cost a couple of pennies per impression, but it goes a long ways. And you can, so you can market to these people for two years, just like you're going back through the old lead. That's, it's awesome. I love that you're doing that. You can use social media to follow them for months or years until they're ready. And when they're ready, you'll be there every day without without having to manage the campaign. You set it up once and let it run. As much as I would love to say I have an agency for you to call, they'll set you up. I, I haven't been able to find one that I'm comfortable, like, comfortable with. But if you look for social media professionals in your market, sit down with them and say, here's what we want to do. Um, we've talked about it several times on these calls. You can search if you use the search bar in the top of all the leads.com, put in Facebook marketing, and it should bring up several mastermind calls where we've had lengthy discussions about this. You could give the agency that and say, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Can you guys do this for me? 
there's probably someone in your market that can help you get it in place. But I'd much rather see you spend your money on that. Okay. I appreciate it. All right. And congrats on uh, working the old leads. Keep it up. All right. Next up, we have three in the queue, guys. we got room for more. Hit star six and hit one. Next up is phone number ending in 1963. You're up next. Hi. I'm new and looking into getting certified as a probate agent. So I'm asking, like, what's my first step? So if you go to alltheleads.com, in the the top menu, you'll see the complete probate system. And education and training is in that menu. That'll explain what the probate mastery course is, how you get certified. We just finished the October class. So if you sign up today, I'll send you, we'll send you the recordings. I'm saying that was the best class I've ever taught. So it's a good month to get. So we'll give you the recordings for that immediately. And then in the, when I set the November class, you'll be registered for the live version of it. Okay, thank you. All right, appreciate it. Good question. Next up is phone number ending in 8213. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you? Doing good. That sounds like Sal. Fed. Sal is, Salvatore is the last name, but S-A-L is the first three letters. So all good. Uh, there all you good, go. All, good. all right. <laughs> yes, all right. sir. So I have... One win and one question, please. So the win is I called someone from my leads about a month, a month-ish ago, and uh, the call went this way. She essentially said, look, we don't, uh, we're actually not selling anything. We do have two properties, but we're not selling anything. So obviously I tried to keep her on the line, and then I, I asked her, is, are any of the properties vacant, all that stuff she said. One was, so from there I said, all right, look, uh, I understand that you're going to keep them and you're going to manage them yourself. Just while they're vacant, please make sure that you have a vacant home policy, right? From there, then she started asking, okay, what does that do, all that stuff? And I asked her, I just tried to see how long it was going to stay vacant. She told me it's going to be vacant for a while. So at that point, I offered some vendors. I said, look, is there any deferred maintenance on the property all that stuff. She ended up needing practically everyone, a roofer, a GC, landscaper, all that stuff. So I provided that to her. And a few days later, I called her back to see if the the vendors reached out to her. They did. So she said, thank you. Look, I said, look, please keep my number if you ever need anything, all that stuff. Long story short, she called me yesterday and she said, you know what? I want to take you up on your offer. Can you meet me at the property? so that we can discuss, we may either want to sell or lease. So that was the win for, for the week. So I'm happy because, you know, you guys gave the suggestion and about the creating the team and all that stuff. So thank you guys. My question is, so last week, Chad, you brought up to reach out to my sphere of influence because I had asked you how to get a hold of attorneys and how to make sure that they feel that it's a win. So the, the suggestion was to reach out to my sphere and see who could start, who, who could uh, benefit from speaking with an estate planning attorney and formulating a trust in order to avoid the cost of probate. In doing that, one of the people I spoke to yesterday works with a family who has various assets and therefore have an asset manager. So my question is, I was thinking that perhaps I can also reach out to asset managers because often they, if they, in the back of their head, if any of their clients or anything like that have 
they know that a family member is maybe sick or ill or maybe close to passing, knowing that they have someone who can take care of everything ahead of time may be a benefit to them, even cost-wise. What would you suggest the best way? I was trying to see how would I reach out an asset manager? Is that something that you maybe look up on LinkedIn? Because I feel like maybe it's almost like you're one step ahead. So you get them to save money. Sure. Yeah, and mastery, that's, if you remember, I, I teach you how to find registered investment advisors, which is a higher class uh-huh. of financial professional. So they have uh-huh. a fiduciary responsibility to every client. They tend to not be the bigger names and they work with smaller accounts, but they also have very wealthy clients. Uh-huh. So that's the first step is at least get one, like at least get to know some RIA, like RIA firms or RIA advisors in your market. The other thing mm-hmm. you can do, is, and it's it, this is going to be a slow, a slow build, because some okay. people will be some, but there are are wealth managers that in in banks, and oftentimes you'll see, like uh, here in Roanoke, like I've had Wells Fargo and SunTrust show up as the personal representative, and what that is, they built this person as they built wealth and accumulated over time. The bank offered for their million dollar net worth and above clients, they'll author wealth management services. So they can mm. buy insurances, they can make investments, they can open brokerage accounts. So the bank essentially, like more established banks, basically have financial services built in as customer service. So I've oftentimes seen where those wealth advisors were, they trusted that person so much, they made them the, the personal representative on the estate. Now, my opinion is if they were a true wealth advisor, they wouldn't have let this guy go through probate in the first place. So they're not doing a great job, but they do have access and they do have trust with these families already. Just every time you're out driving around, stop in a bank, like the headquarters, not a branch, but go to the headquarters of each regional or larger bank in your market and say, I'd like to talk to your someone in your wealth management division and just get to know those folks. And you're absolutely right. Just like with nursing home employees, senior moving companies, estate sale companies and registered investment advisors, you're way upstream. But the, the team we've built, this vertically integrated service, it's just as valuable for a family who's end of life planning versus dealing with a death because we can help liquidate assets in a short amount of time for the most amount of money and get and improve their living situation and their most important years, their last years. So the more people in the community that have contact with people in the late life phase, that understand what we do and what we can do for their clients and that we will extend their that fiduciary responsibility and make sure that we're always putting their interest first. The more people in the community understand that, the more inbound leads you're going to have. Okay. And you'll start Perfect. doing a yeah. lot of pre-probate business. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, what sir. You appreciate it. All right. Next up is phone number ending in 0155. Are you there? I'm there. My question's already been answered, but thank you. Good. We took care of it. You get a buy one, get one. Answer one question and help two people out. Anything else we can help you with? No. I just been, I am the inside sales agent here in Palm Harbor, Florida for Team Bergadama Miller <laughs> Williams. And yep. so I do all of the probate expired and canceled. And I just find I'll just give people a tip that what helps me, and I'm not, I, I plan to go through the class, but I'm not the certified probate specialist. My boss is the owner. And what helps yep. when I email attorneys his certificate and explain what that means, we have a template letter 
and I do get a lot of activity that way. Nice. Did Denise take the class also? That's Paul and Denise, right? Yeah, Denise. I think it's just Paul who took it, to be honest with you. But almost every day an attorney writes me something. Like I got one yesterday. It says, what is a certified probate um, expert exactly? My first time hearing anything like that. I only work with real estate agents that also send me referrals. I don't respond to emails, voicemails, texts, letters, et cetera. But you've got me here. Yeah. That's awesome. So what you're doing, just so I understand, you're emailing a a PDF of your CPE certificate, and then you're following that with a phone call? Oh, no. I'm calling and emailing, and I must have emailed them something just to the effect, like just explaining. I just did one that isn't a template. Like, I've tried to reach your office. You have four homes in probate. Do you have somebody that you work with? I just wanted to mention that Paul is certified. And I do that. It's the same thing, but I don't have a template for it. And then people usually reply, like, I'm using this agent, or I always work with the same two. But a lot of times they ask me, what does that mean? And so Paul finally drafted a letter of what that means because I get that question so much. Then I send over the certificate because... I don't want to be too pushy, but... You guys, take this a step further. This is good. It's a good strategy. Take it a step further and have Paul make a video explaining it. I know he sends them, like, our letter, and I can send it to you if you want to see it, but I know he links our website. I'm going to ask him because I don't know if on our website, obviously, I've seen it a million times, and you know how you just cannot think of it right now, if he goes through that on the website on video, but that's a really good idea. I'll let him know. He went, but imagine if in your email signature, everyone that gets your email, it says, what is a certified probate expert? And that's a clickable link out to that video. So every time you email an attorney, because you're finding that curiosity. So give them every, give them, give them multiple ways to get the information. And if you haven't done the video, put it in your, in your email signature. What is a probate expert? Okay. Uh, Certified probate expert. Is it for me? Because this is my sole job here and I'm always inside. Like it, I have to keep going. I don't have a choice. If I want to keep my job because I just can't say, okay, we use another agent. I have to send an email saying, I know that you said, but. Because if I don't have enough work to keep me busy. So for me, it's anytime they say no, I just always try to think of something else I could send on email or something saying, I heard you, I'll take you off our contact list. But because it seems for me to work, I don't know. Yeah, that's great. That's a great good tip for everybody. Great attitude. I'm curious. I remember Paul and Denise. I personally signed them up and they were already a very successful team, very high analytical. I know they ask a lot of questions and they really dug into it. Are you doing other types of prospecting for them or just probate? I only do probate, expired, and withdrawn. And I've only uh, started like a month ago. Might be too but soon to answer this question. Uh, the 600 in this Keller Williams. They're the third producers year to date and month to date. I'm curious, how do you find the probate uh, prospecting versus expired and the other sources that you do? Do you find it more uh, difficult, easier? And how about the results? Uh, I find it just as hard as the expired and withdrawn. I find it just as difficult. And they've had the position over a year, so they know the numbers. That So the person prior to me, she had an emergency and had to leave a family emergency. But I will say, gotcha. like, as I get more into the job, there's just certain things. Like, of course, I use scripts, but I'm getting better at 
being compassionate because I used to run nursing homes and work in medical, and that's why they hired me. And I honestly said no to the job because I was like, I'm not going to work in real estate. But it does help mm-hmm. out because I try to put my all the leads to the side, and I try to fit, make a picture of the person. And I used to just hit the dialer. And the mm-hmm. guy, I still hit the dialer. But I put two screens up now. And on my other screen, I always have the MLS, all the leads, and mojo up, another mojo. Then I have mojo on the right side, my dialer. And what I do is I try to quickly, when I know somebody is picking up or just picked up, put them in, make sure, of course, it's not in the MLS, but usually I've already checked that. But then I try to see how, or like, how soon the death was and just try to get an idea of who that person is. Is it their wife and they're living in that house? Sometimes I Google search it. Because for some reason, I've learned if it's a spouse and they still live in that house, that's a completely different conversation. If it's sure. a child and it's their dad and it's only been three weeks, that's a tough conversation. And so sometimes things come out from probate, but it's been years, Beth, and that's an easier conversation. But I try to just change up what I'm saying, but research them a little better because before I was calling, I was using the same script all the time. And I felt so bad because some people would, I don't know, some people would just react different. Like I got somebody who asked me, and this has only happened to me once, but somebody asked me, like, what do you just do the obits and I had to really improvise, but I felt so bad because it was obviously his dad. And I was like, I just noticed you were out of town, and I'm so sorry if that's how you felt. I just thought maybe you needed help since you're so far away from Florida. Perfect. I would say Paul and Denise hired the right person. Sounds like you're doing an Ah. awful lot. Congratulations. You're very welcome. They're great trainers. They really are. Good. Thank you so much for sharing. We appreciate your input. We have four more in the queue. Next up is phone number ending in 2517. You're up next. Hey there, it's uh, Sue. I've been struggling with a lot of call reluctance, which is on me, but I live in a 55 and older community, and there's a number of homes that are in probate in my community, and I was just wondering if you had any tips for looking up these older probate, because some of them I know are over a year or two old, and the homes are just sitting there. And I thought it might be an easier start for me to call people because I live in the community. You obviously know the address because you're in the community. You can look up the address and then skip, go to the tax records and then skip trace to get their phone numbers and reach out to them. Or you can look, just send a letter to the tax mailing address. So if you go out and, and make your list of houses, an easier way to do it is if you have never used PropStream, uh, it's $97 a month, and they now have a mobile app. So you can literally go out and have a walk around the neighborhood and use the drive feature. And when you walk, when you're standing in front of the house, you simply touch it and save it as a favorite. And then when you get back, you'll have your list will be right there in your PropStream marketing list. And you'll have all of the information on if there's any mortgages, tax information, MLS history, everything you can imagine will be right there. And you can't send letters, but you can send postcards through their system. But even if you don't, if you don't use their postcards at all, you can export that list and then use that as a direct mail list. And we can work, help you fulfill that, that order of letters to them. You can also skip, you can also skip trace within their system. So you're likely going to come up with a phone number for the, the decedent, but maybe somebody has that number forwarded, like who, whatever family member is, has taken charge. 
it's skip trace. It's 20 cents a number, so you're not going to spend a ton on just a handful of houses. But that's the most effective, efficient way I know to build a list like that now uh, is using the PropStream mobile app. Skip trace, is that the re- like, like a reverse lookup? Yeah, they're going to use a double match point. So first name, last name, and address. And if they can find a phone number with the address <laughs> and name matching, then they'll return that number to you. So you can, let's just say it's 12 houses. You walk around, you create your marketing list by saving them as favorites. You close out that session. When you get back to the desktop version, it will be there in a marketing list. And you can click export, and it'll export with all the real estate information, all the contact information. Um, and their team will walk you through it if you need help figuring out how to use it yeah. the first time. It's, okay. That's the easiest way. I used to do this manually using list source and MLS and skip trace services. But now I wouldn't even, no way I suggest that. Just And PropStream gives you, I believe, a seven or a 14 day trial. So you could do this all on the seven day trial period and uh, get your exercise. You can go walk around the neighborhood and try it out. <laughs> My other thought was, is there have been people who have bought in here this is Tucson area, and they'll buy it for a winter home. They've actually bought a home, never lived here, died, and the property's gone into probate. So I was thinking I could get the community to work with an attorney, like kind of start building those relationships that he could do some type of a seminar, probably Zoom at this moment, or maybe he would get some business for people who haven't really set those things up. Because at this point, is there a clubhouse? Life, is there a clubhouse in the community? Yes. So here's what I think you should do. You should get that estate planning attorney to commit to a seminar, which he will because he's not allowed to directly solicit, but he can he can legally do this. And you should rent the clubhouse, send out an every door direct mail or EDDM campaign. Just take the whole postal code, everyone in that neighborhood and drop an EDDM, put a flyer in every mailbox and invite them to that seminar. And I would, if it works, then I would set it up as a recurring quarterly function. Every quarter you do this for the community and you could maybe even you rotate. So you do a financial advisor, you do an estate planning attorney, you do a long-term care planning, like a care management company and mm-hmm. bring them like most people. We you know, Life insurance is a great example. It's one of the hardest things in the world to sell or in North America because we have such an unhealthy culture around death. We don't want to think about it, much less talk about it or plan for it. What are you crazy? <laughs> so that's why many people aren't that's why where the sense of urgency comes from with these families the lack of planning and the lack of liquidity and the surprise change in health and the surprise medical bills it flips people upside down so they're unlikely to go find that on their own even though they might have made it to 55 or 60 years old most people don't have a proper estate plan most people don't really understand how to best optimize their retirement and to mitigate risk and so you can just create a little senior mastermind where you use the clubhouse and every month or every quarter, you have some expert from the community. It can be in all those people that I mentioned, someone that can bring immediate value to that community. And this is another idea of how you're going to get upstream. You're going to be using the team you've built and the the methodology you've learned, but nobody has passed away. It's even better. We're helping them transition into their late life phase and minimize stress and maximize equity and the money available for the rest of their life. That's what I would do if I were you, because you've got a really good opportunity with a captive audience that's the demographic. So in order to live there, they have to be an ideal customer for you, right? It's something you could do that's low cost, but high perceived value. I would recommend doing that. Look at the EDDM, like probably that neighborhood is a single postal code. So you can blanket the whole neighborhood for not much. I think it's 16 cents a flyer, I think is all you pay for that. 
Yeah, and if it goes outside, it won't matter. If I get a few extra people, I wouldn't complain. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Great idea. Outside the box. After yep. doing it. After doing it one or two times, your biggest challenge might be finding a, a large enough space. But like you said, it's probably right now, it's probably best to do it as a Zoom or if you could do it outdoors, just where people feel more comfortable. I know the weather's favorable in your area right now. You could oh, yeah. do it out on the front lawn at the clubhouse or by the pool. The EDDM side of that is obviously something that we can help you do. We can help you pick the route, to tell you exactly how many people it is nail it down to the specific cost based on that zip code alone, and we can help you put all that together. We're a Postal Service partner. Okay. Thank you. All right. Great idea. Great idea. Please report back to let us know how you did. Bruce, you had a comment too? Yeah, another resource you could use. You've got Zoom. This is um, a little bit more advanced, but it's pretty easy to set up. There's a site called Thinkific. Think. It's and uh, you can build quickly and easily, you can build courses with modules in there if you record any of your content with your attorney. You could build those and people sign up and they get to just click through your modules and your lessons and you can basically leverage your time, record it once, let people watch it whenever they want, turn it into an evergreen class that generates leads for you. That's great. What, did, what was the name of that site? I felt like it cut out or my phone cut out. Think. T-H-I-N-K-I-F-I-C.com. Thank you. That's Unusual good. name. Great service. All right. We have three more in the queue. That should take us up to the uh, top of the hour nicely. Next up is phone number ending in 1447. You're up next. Um, hello. I'm calling from Ohio. Um, I am part of the Purdue group. The last recall touched on what my question is nursing home. Do we have any instruction on how to get into that system, this house will be taken by the state and controlled by the state because they don't have assets. Do we have a function for handling that? Those confined to nursing homes who they're not wealthy, probably the only asset they have of value is their home. Who do you contact for that? Do attorneys generally handle that? Is it? I just don't know where to even begin. Yeah. One place to begin is we talked about part of building your referral network is getting to know the point person who has the initial contact with families at each nursing home facility in your area. Their job is to show them the amenities of the community, look at their finances and share with them what it costs to live there, look at their finances and see if they can find a way. The average senior citizen in the United States holds 50 to 80% of their net worth in their primary residence. Those on the lower end of the income scale are like 80%, and those in the upper middle classes, they're more like 50%. But it's still usually the most significant asset that they have. So a lot of times those folks have to sell those homes in order to afford to move into long-term care because they didn't have a long-term care plan or insurance. So having that nursing home employee know that, listen, you can make one phone call and this family will get all the service under one and one phone call. We will help them sell the personal property that they can no longer keep. We will use a white glove senior moving service to get what they are keeping over to your facility. We will maximize every dollar that we can of the personal property, put that money back into the real property and maximize every penny of equity we can when selling this home. And all you have to do is let me know when you meet a family that needs that help. I'll handle everything. 
So if all the nursing home employees in the community know that there's this team that just, uh, so think about it, they're being paid on commission. They get a base plus commission. So a head and a bed equals a paycheck. So they're highly incentivized to liquidate this person's assets to, to free up cash so they can move into their facility so they can get paid. And so there's, it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. Like there, you're going to get a higher price for the assets statistically than they would selling them on their own. And you're going to get it done probably months faster than they would. So the nursing home employees are your, you're their best friend because you help create liquidity that puts heads in beds that gets them paid. As far as the people who are already in there, a lot of times if they're, you can contact social workers. So if someone had to go into long-term care, but they, they didn't have time to sell their house, now it probably has a Medicaid lien attached. And with that, Medicaid dictates how, at what price and how those are listed and marketed. And my trick for that is I, I, you can talk to a social worker, find out who's in that situation, or let them know when somebody finds themselves in this situation, please call me. We have a strategy for getting these homes sold at market value. So what they dictate is they make you list the home at the tax assessed value for at least 12 months before you can price down to market value. Oftentimes these homes are over the tax assessments high on them because no upgrades have been made. They have a lot of not always deferred maintenance, but just functional obsolescence. They're dated. So what I do is I get the social worker involved. So she becomes my liaison between before Medicaid. So I don't have to sit on the phone with Medicaid. And then as soon as I get the property listed, I go straight to the tax assessor with a comparative uh, CMA or even better, a market absorption analysis or a BPO. And just say, listen, this family, they're in long-term care. They're not coming home. It's important that we liquidate this asset. Um, can we please uh, change the assessment to a realistic value? And they'll, in my, I've always been able to get this done. They will drop the tax assessed value. So therefore I can do the MLS change form, drop the price, get that to the social worker and get offers almost immediately. Most realtors haven't figured this out and you can get the social worker on your side because it's in their best interest. It's in the consumer's best interest to go ahead and get the home sold instead of just letting it sit there empty with a Medicaid laying against it overpriced and the family having to deal with it. So everybody wins in that scenario. The, the best way I know to find people in that scenario is talk to the folks that the people from the nursing home would send people to me, like the patients. I would get calls because they, they're like, hey, listen, I, the, talk to the lady at the front desk. She said that you would be you, you understand what's going on. And once you talk to them once, they're just kind of like, yeah, I don't really care. Do you have this? Can I quit worrying about it? And it's such a peace of mind for them. So it was really me, the social worker and the tax assessor would get it done. So you can create a ton of value for everybody involved by getting into that situation. The best way to find them is through the nursing home employees and social workers. Have They deal with this every day. Okay. With regard to the social workers, that's a, a blanket term. How would I know which social workers? Uh, I start with, if you just Google Cincinnati social services, and then just pick up the phone and start asking. You have federal, state, and local programs and social workers. Uh, it, it is a very broad and ever-growing space. But I got really lucky. I Googled Roanoke City Social Services. I called. I talked to April, and she's been my one point of contact the whole time. And she is phenomenal. So hopefully you get really lucky and you, you get the right person on the first phone call. I, I did. So. Excellent stuff, guys. We have two more in the queue. Phone number ending in 3524. 
you're up next. Thank you very much. How are you? This is Nahid from... Uh, Doing good. Uh, yeah, two questions. One, I, I see emails uh, saying, hey, listen, the expired book. Send your expired book to the expired listings. You think we can do a probate book and send them to the probate lease? Perhaps they can read it on their spare time and the family members can read it, and that can be established that the uh, real estate agent as, a, as an authority in the area. Uh, what do you think about it? It's it's very effective, but it's also very expensive. So what a lot of folks do is they will go through and do the first letter and the first round of phone calls. And then the people who have real estate and have an intent to sell or are uncertain, then the follow-up piece becomes the booklet. David Pinnell shared a video of the one he had designed. If you look in All the Leads Mastermind, and search, uh, just search David's last name, P-A-N-N-E-L-L. He posted a video of him leafing through his piece. It's like a 30-page, 8.5 by 11, 30-page, really nice booklet that he made. But he treats that as his premium piece. If you look on alltheleads.com and search the same thing at the top right, put in P-A-N-N-E-L-L. He actually shows on the, the latest interview that I did with David was in, I think, August. And he actually shows you that piece and tells you exactly how he uses it. So you might get some inspiration there. And once you settle in on what you want and how you want to use it, give us a call or email support and we can help you design and produce that and ship them right to you. Wonderful. That, that's so great. All right. Another th- Another question is, on the market uh, right now, we always get these questions, what is the market like? And we uh, have a market stats that we give them. But what are you experiencing? What are you generally experiencing with the COVID market right now with the probate leads? Are there more leads? Are there people more acceptable? Are they, are they looking for more help this time around? I don't think there's been much of a shift in most markets. Obviously, the places like Los Angeles, where the courts have massive judicial backlogs, it's very problematic for the families. In places like New York and yeah. New England, like everything just came to a grinding halt. So people were of the mindset of, ah, eh, yeah, we'll deal with it later. There's nothing we can do. So there's more complacency. And on these calls, we've been talking a lot about the Southern California scenario, how you help people if they aren't going to get their letters testamentary for three or four months. How can we still find a way to help them? and build that relationship and trust so when they do have letters testamentary and have the authority, we're the only phone call they make. That's the only real shift. Otherwise, the level of motivation seems to be there in the markets that are unaffected by the courts. Everybody seems to be just proceeding through as normal. And the the good thing is, and Jim often makes this, it's a good point, like most of these homes are vacant. So showing them isn't really a contentious issue for the families. They're not as health conscious as someone who's living in the home. So they're actually easier to sell than an occupied property right now. That's right. Yeah. That answers my question. Thank you very much. All right. Perfect timing, guys. Last one up this week is phone number ending in 0935. You're up last. Hey, guys. This is uh, my first time actually calling and a lot of great information. I'll probably answer this one a hundred times, but what is the best way to reach out to probate attorneys? and actually be able to provide value without having something to bring to the table. I'm sure they get tons of calls with different investors reaching out. I'm just trying to think, you know, ways to stand out and actually provide value, not to say, hey, send me what you got. So do you know where to find these calls, These the recorded versions of these calls? I actually do not. I get the emails, and then like I said, this is the first one I got on, I was able to get on. We went pretty deep on this one last week. I'm, I'm not 
don't just want to defer your question, but I think the best answer was last week. We talked about it for maybe 20 minutes with Fed. If you go to alltheleads.com and you'll see the mastermind and role play trainings, we archive every single call here. You can also find it in our YouTube playlist or on your favorite podcast platform. So I would I would point you back to there. But the idea, there's two two specific ideas that we really talked about in long form. I think it was, Jim, was it last week on the mastermind call? I think it was week before, if I'm not mistaken, but it was recently, yeah. Yeah, in, in the last two calls, we, we actually went long on that, so you'll get the full idea. But one idea is find a way to generate referrals that are ready to establish an estate plan and then approach them with ready-to-meet referrals. Fed, who was on earlier, he mentioned that's where he started. I mean, you can go through your sphere of influence, past clients, family, friends, wealthy neighbors, whoever. Anyone who has more than $100,000 in assets should probably have a living trust. So if you can get the people in your life to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'd love to have a free hour with your legal team to discuss that. Then you take, you decide if you want to give one guy five or if you'd rather give five guys one referral. And what's most effective is just showing up like uh, the face-to-face office visit. But in this environment, depending on what it's like where you are, you may or may not be able to do that. You can still get through on the phone. The other idea, just in summary, and I'm assuming you're going to go back and listen to the, the previous call to get the full version, but the other idea is to sit down with the attorney, approach them saying, listen, I understand you're not legally allowed to directly solicit these families for business, but we notice every month 20% of them are pro se or don't have legal representation, and we know they're going to need it eventually. So what I'd like to do is sit down and design a, a marketing piece where that's very useful for the family, but the ones who haven't chosen an attorney, your name will be square on the bottom of that sheet. So we're going to make a checklist or a timeline where all the legal aspects are are red and everything else is black and that it's going to be a useful piece because probably their attorney didn't give them that most don't or then the ones that don't have an attorney certainly don't have it so it becomes a, a probate roadmap or checklist for the family and when they get stuck there's the firm's name right at the bottom so you can co-brand that marketing piece with the firm have them produce it with you and that's going to result in you sitting in a room with them for a half an hour to an hour having an organic conversation and they're going to be they're going to say you know wait, wait a minute what what exactly is it that you guys do and there's your pitch so you get them to ask you what you know how you can provide value and in either scenario what you want to do is think of the attorney as a small business owner not as an attorney what your parents and teachers and everyone else told you just forget that look him in the eye and say this is a human this is a human that owns a small business I'm a human with a small business. How can we benefit each other? And get rid of that, like the intimidation of trying to prospect an attorney, because that's where most people get wrapped around the axle is they make an attorney bigger than life, like they're an icon, and then they get nervous and they don't do it or they do it poorly. So just remember, you're one small business owner figuring out a way to benefit another small business owner in your community, and that should be the mindset you approach this with. Awesome. I appreciate it. All right. Another great call, guys. Call number 300 was a good one. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here today. I want to particularly thank the seven or eight of you that actively participated. And I want to challenge each of you, take one idea, one thought, one thing that inspired you on this call, go out, put it into practice, and come back next Thursday and share your results with the group. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay productive, and we will talk to you same time next Thursday, everybody. Take care.